Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bobby and Jens. My name is Bobby Julik, and on the other side of the Atlantic, my best friend, Jens Vogt. Jensy, how's it going? It's all good over here. Um, I had a flight yesterday to Cologne, worked there all day long on a children's motivational program. So we try to get more children to do sports and I be their ambassador for the cycling. Had an easy flight back home and now we are here and ready to go. And uh, with the Giro coming up this weekend, do you are you working the Giro? Are you commentating through the whole Giro? Uh, yes, that's why I wanted to take a flight back home today. So I have two more days with the family. And then on Friday, I drive my car down there. And I be gone basically for three weeks. But because of a COVID-19 situation, we do it from a studio somewhere outside Cologne. So we got three people sitting there together and we be commentating from Germany. But I be gone for three weeks. Wow. Are you going to bring your bike? Uh, yes, I will. I will bring at least one bike um, and I might as well bring a smart trainer so I can also work out when it's raining um, and I'm going to bring books, a lot of books as well. Wait a second, you you ride home trainers now? I mean, I remember being a pro with you, that was not your favorite thing. Uh, no, it wasn't. But hey, you got to do what you do, what you need to do to stay fit and healthy. And um, you want to also stay, you know, as an, uh, um, uh, you want to show your kids, hey, I'm not just talking the talk, I'm walking the walk. And when you tell the kids to do sports and be active and live healthy, you also got to do it. So um, yeah, I might bring as well a home trainer and uh, do every now and then a ride on there. Well, talking about uh walking the walk i got to do the hincapi grand fondo in chattanooga tennessee last weekend and let me tell you that that was great the weather was fantastic the town of chattanooga have you ever been to chattanooga jens it's it's a really really cool town in tennessee no um i believe i have been in memphis that's tennessee right Next time you got to go. I mean, it is such a cool little town. It's right on the river. We did 80 miles and 2,000 meters of climbing during that 80 miles. It, it was just, it was fantastic. A lot of fun. It was nice doing an event again. I know a lot of people that was their first time out doing a, a mass participation event. And, um, you know, there was definitely some uh, protocols in place and a lot of outdoor um, socially spaced sort of things but it was yeah it just felt good to be back back in the saddle with some some friends and uh, fellow lovers of the bicycle i can imagine the weather was nice you said so no rain and not too much wind it was perfect it was one of those days where you know, you don't even want to take out your phone. You're just constantly looking around, just taking those mental mental images. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's almost summer here. And, um, you know, it's just nice to be on the bike again. But uh, listen, our guest this week is a cyclist and team owner whose groundbreaking work has changed the world of diabetes. He's the founder of Novo Nordisk, a team of all type 1 diabetic riders, and he's also the founder of a brand new company called Super Sapiens. You're not going to want to miss this one. 
Here's Bill Sutherland. Welcome, Phil Sutherland, to Bobby and Jens. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Well, you know, uh, we've had a busy couple days here, that's for sure. Uh, just so that the listeners know, uh, myself and Phil are down at in Atlanta um, for a Super Sapiens meeting. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but we've had a long day of, of meetings and um, just kind of wanted to get to know you, Phil. I mean, tell us, tell us your background. I mean, you've been living with diabetes since you were seven months old. Um, tell us a little bit about th those early days or, and, and then getting into cycling, being one of the first people to, to ride, to race bicycles with this condition. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Big, big thanks for, for, for having me on. Um, but I mean, life, life with diabetes, you know, it's all I've ever known. I was diagnosed at seven months old. Uh, parents were told I'd be dead or blind by 25. But they learned when I was an infant that if I was active and moving that my insulin worked better and my glucose was better. So while there were no studies around what that meant, they figured if my glucose could be more like their glucose, then maybe their kid would stay alive after 25. In the late 80s, you know, was a time when diabetics were not supposed to compete in sport because of, you know, the risk of hypoglycemia on the other time, which those, I've been there, it's very severe, can be very scary. And so they said, told people, don't exercise, don't compete in sport. But, you know, my dad was a, he ran a 238 marathon back in 1974. My mom uh, taught aerobics classes for a bunch of years. She now rides, she did 20,000 kilometers last year after only riding for 40 years. But so sport is in our blood. And so they pushed me into swim class or swim team. And the first week of swim team, I learned two very important lessons. You know, one, if I had good control of my glucose, I could win. Uh, and then two, if I had bad control of my glucose, I would fail. So you can say I've been hyper obsessed about glucose uh, as a proxy for performance for the past 33 years. So that uh, led into all the normal sports a kid would play. My mom gave me this pink cooler to carry to carry all my low glucose supplies in. I don't know why, why pink, like I'm the shortest kid. I've got 11 toenails, I've got diabetes. And so I think she just kept doing these other things so that I wouldn't get made fun of for diabetes, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I was very, uh, call it from six years on, very focused on controlling my glucose, one for victory. And then I figured, found out that if I controlled it around the clock, it was a lot easier to get it right during sport. So I, I didn't want to go blind. So all those things tied in. But at 12 years old, I broke the rules and I ate a Snickers bar at a school. I got home and my glucose was at 350, which is very high. Uh, and I said, huh, I like the candy bar. I didn't have the patience to wait two hours for my insulin to kick in. Uh, I found if I could go ride my bike, I rode my bike to a gas station, I could buy a candy bar and then go ride my bike around the neighborhood for an hour or so. And my glucose would be perfect when I got home. So for me, the bike was you know, a, a way I could go eat. So how did you get into racing? I wasn't very good. Uh, you know, I was, there were four of us in high school who rode bikes. I was the worst, but they, their parents had money. So they got cars and then they got girls and they all quit. I stuck with it, hired a coach. Um, by 18, I was, you know, eighth place junior national championships in the criterium. 
you know, on to University of Georgia because of the Athens Twilight Criterium and the Winter Bike League, which I don't know if you've ever, ever done, but you guys should come one time. It's a group ride in the wintertime where you can win money. Uh, so for a broke college kid, you know, I found I could, I could make a living in the wintertime on Saturdays. Uh, it was phenomenal. So, you know, went on to another ninth place in U23 national championships um, as a U23 in the road race um, in College Station, Texas in July. Uh, and at that same time, a guy with diabetes said, you know, Phil, you know, seeing you win, uh, you know, you're my hero. Like, it's an inspiration. You know, just it's proof that one day I can win, too. And that guy's name is a good buddy of mine, Joe Eldridge. Um, we formed a friendship, helped him take control of his glucose. Uh, you know, he lowered his hemoglobin A1C to, you know, levels that would, call it, strongly reduce the risk of complications. And he said, Phil, you saved my life. And uh, this was... A game changer for me. I was like most young cyclists, very self-centered, very self-focused. I just wanted to do everything for the sake of victory. Um, but I realized the bike could be a platform to help people. Was that when you decided to form a cycling team of only diabetic riders? When did that ID form? I was on a 500 kilometer bike ride to get home from for Christmas because I didn't have a car. And so I, it was finals week, didn't have a lot of time to, to train. So I just I rode my bike home. Uh, from Athens, Georgia to Tallahassee, Florida. And it was on that bike ride that I realized, you know, maybe we can use the bike as a platform to unify people with diabetes and inspire, educate, and empower. Uh, Joe came up with the name Team Type One. You know, it was a business plan class project in college. You know, got 400 bucks in venture funding from a guy, Daniel Hopkins, who I've never been able to find ever since. Uh, bought t-shirts, business cards, sold 100 t-shirts, sold sponsorship on the next round of t-shirts and got myself to charity ride for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. And uh, you know, it was, at, it was there that people said, What's your, this is what diabetes needs. We need heroes, we need, need positivity, do something big. You know, ride your bikes across America. And you know, I was 70,000 plus in debt um, after graduating college, um, didn't have time to spend a month riding across America. So we agreed that night over a few beers after a charity ride that we're gonna race our bikes across America and do RAM. And, That was really the start of a movement that's lasted, you know, the last 15 years. You mentioned Ram there. How did you get on the start line for that race in the first place? I was in Athens, Georgia. The biggest budget racing team there was $30,000 for Locos Cycling. Um, you know, I said I needed to raise a quarter million dollars. Um, and everyone said, Phil, that's not possible. You know, there's no way you're going to do this. Uh, so I went to Interbike in 2005, you know, where... You, you all have been to Interbike, you know, people are in shorts and t-shirts and, you know, I was in a suit and a tie, you know, walking around with a briefcase with over a hundred pitch decks to hand out to all the bike companies saying, you know, I need a sponsor, I need partners. And I was, you know, telling the story uh, yesterday, like 95% of people said yes to my face and didn't respond to any emails afterwards. Uh, one guy, um, you know, Jens, a fellow German, Her Herbert Krabel, who was at light speed at the time, uh, when I, gave the pitch to him. He said, why would I sponsor your team? You know, this, you're, you're talking about something that's never been done before. We don't know if people with diabetes can even finish this race. You know, this, I know if I give bikes to a world tour team, I'll get a return on investment. I know if I give bikes to another team, I'll get return. This, I will not sponsor your team. And I kind of, it's like, huh, you're an ass. And <clears throat> lo and behold, <laughs> you know, a month and a half later, I get a random phone call. Hi, Phil. This is Herbert. Do you have a bike sponsor? I'm like, no. Do you want a bike sponsor? 
Yes, I can't, I, I don't have budget to give you the bikes, but let me, I can, I can loan them to you for a year. You need eight bikes, right? I was like, well, we need TT bikes too. So I said, we need 16. And he's like, okay, well, it's gonna have Shimano Ultegra on the TT bikes and Durace on the road bikes. Is that, will that be okay for you? I'm like, the one guy who said, I'm not gonna sponsor your team is the one guy who came through with about $100,000 worth of product. And you know, that was like a game changer for us. And at the same time, I got a, on a continuous glucose monitoring trial with a device called the Freestyle Navigator. And, you know, mind you, I've been checking my glucose 20 times a day. I do, on average, you know, seven, seven to 10 injections per day of insulin. But the 20 days that I had all the data in front of me, I learned more about what everything did to my body than in the previous you know, 23 years of life. And I said to my doctor, you know, if we're going to do RAM, you know, we can't afford to die in the middle of the country. You know, I need this technology because it gives you alarms if you get low glucose, particularly in the night. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll introduce you to Abbott. They'll, they'll sponsor your team and we'll get the product. I'll write a clinical trial. And January 25th, 2006, I you know, went to see Abbott and you know, made this pitch about using the technology, um, you know, what we could do for people with diabetes and the movement I was hoping to start. And that night over a glass of wine, which you know, as a guy fresh out of college, that was my first glass of wine. You know, we're from the South, so we drink cheap beer that you, know, you can afford in school. Um, but over a glass of wine that night, Holly Culp and Jeff McGarrow said, you know, Phil, diabetes needs this. Um, we're gonna, we'll find the money to support you. And we became team type one, monitored by Freestyle and you know, lined up at the Race Across America in 2006. And yeah, it was ah, a charity team. Yeah, we hope you finish and good luck. This is nice what you're doing for, for research. And uh, yes, we're doing for research, but we're here to win. We're here to show that diabetes is a strength, not a weakness. And yeah. But, but that's, that's, what I, that's what I find so amazing is that you could have done anything but you chose one of the hardest events to do, the race across America. I mean, you could have just done, you know, some charity rides, but obviously this was a huge platform for you. And how did it, how did it go? I mean, there had to have been some bumps in the road. I mean, you just don't jump into the Ram and everything goes off smoothly. Right. Yeah. I mean, we were, you know, we were fairly well coordinated. You know, I, we hired, a coach who oversaw the training program to get us ready. Uh, we had a mix of athletes, at, you know, various, like I, we had, I was a category one racer. There was another cat two racer. And then everyone else was like cat three or, you know, had never, some had never raced a bike again, but that was the best talent we could find at the time. Amazing people. And the fact that they, you know, came on that journey uh, was just, uh, it was beautiful that they, they made that, those efforts, but, you know, we started off and really had no idea where our glucose needed to be. This is the first time any of us had had this technology you know, during competition. And so our glucose is all over the place. You know, you know, our, we're getting our, we were getting beat by a team of professional bike racers. Uh, the first night, um, our nutritionists, you know, what, what we see is after exercise, there's a spike in glucose and insulin resistance. And so we had dosed insulin for 100 grams of carbohydrates to plus our 25 grams of protein for recovery, our nutritionists only put one scoop instead of four into the bottle. And so because of the insulin resistance, you know, we didn't see that, like it wasn't immediate evident what had gone wrong until we could fall asleep in an RV going across Arizona, beep, 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 beep. 
all four of us in the off shift, you know, would have died in Arizona had it not been for continuous glucose monitoring, period. Because we were heavily over insulinized after eight hours of full gas efforts. And, you know, we, we nearly died, but this technology, it's saved our lives. And um, we lived to fight another day. You know, we were still losing time up until Durango, Colorado. And that's when we all had a realization that if our glucose is between approximately 140 and 180 milligrams per deciliter, we feel pretty good. So we started to make the titrations needed to you know, stay in that range more often. And then the first night in Kansas, like when we got into Kansas, we made up an hour on the team and this, like, we had this crazy tailwind with like thunderstorms. I mean, it was like, I saw lightning crash, you know, 10 meters to the, to the right of me. And then our crew was telling us, you guys got to stop. You have to stop. This is not safe. We're like, screw this. We got a tailwind. We're going. And by the end of that night, we were, we'd cut the, their lead in half. And then by the time we got to Missouri, uh, we were, we passed Vail Beaver Creek and we went back and forth uh, to the finish line, you know, and it was, you know, it was a beautiful experience. You know, some of the best moments of my life were during that race. Uh, some of the darkest moments of the life when you, know, you think you're getting off in four miles, but the van's not there in four miles, you know, it's there in six miles and you just, where's the van? Why, why, why are they, why'd they leave me? What's going on? You know, I, you didn't want to, it was just time trial after time trial after time trial, like 15 minute time trials, once an hour for eight hours, sleep, wake up, do it again, sleep, wake up, do it again, sleep. And it was just, so you think it's a taxing on the body, but we had a wonderful crew. They took great care of us, um, you know, and then we got to the finish line in five days, 16 hours and four minutes, uh, only to find out that a penalty that was my fault because I, I like to go fast downhills. I'm not very talented going up, but I go up so that I can go down and I, passed a car over a yellow line. We got a 15 minute penalty. And I thought we were told we won the race and we're coming up to the podium. Stop, stop, stop. You know, sorry, team type one, we did a recalculation. Actually, you're second place. You lost the race by three minutes. And I was like, oh. oh. Like, you know, and it was, you know, think, you know, the tour for eight seconds in the tour, you know, yeah, it was beautifully devastating. Uh, but you know the diabetes community they didn't they didn't care that we lost the fact that we we as a team of people with diabetes got our bikes across the country and did it in that speed and showed that diabetes is the strength it's the unity for us uh, it was an inspiration and so Abbott came back on as a sponsor uh, you know, a number of other companies in the pharma space uh, came on to partner with us I'd raised three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for uh, our company in the second year. And we came back with nine months of using the technology and how, learning how to titrate glucose into that point. And we stayed there and we won. You know, we had those, the lead in the race from day, the moment, uh, the first interstate, five days, 15 hours, 43 minutes. And we set a world record. And you know, at 25 years old, I was supposed to be dead or blind, but I was there with seven other type 1 diabetics as you know, world record holders in the race across America. What was the next step? Uh, it was a journey of let's globalize this. So then we were a continental team in yeah, 2008 to 2010. Uh, then we went uh, pro Connie 2011 and 12 team type one uh, grew to the top 25 team in the world, at which point we got the chance, you know, it was kind of, it was year to year deals. My organization had 150 people. And at the end of the day, I'm a fundraiser. Um, and I got the opportunity to partner with Nova Nordisk. 
Uh, I've been traveling, you know, working in the developing countries, getting access to medicine for kids who were dying before. Um, and I kept seeing Nova Nordisk changing diabetes logo everywhere I went in the world, you know, from China to Rwanda to Tanzania to Morocco, uh, everywhere. And I was like, I want to partner with this company and met a visionary uh, at Nova Nordisk. We had a lunch and I was convinced we'd have sponsorship. And he came back the next week, Phil, you know, we'd be delighted to partner with you. It'll be a long-term partnership. We'll activate uh, Team Nova Nordisk on a global scale, if and only if you go back to your roots as an all-diabetic organization. And we had four type one diabetics who'd ever raced professionally at the time. And you know, I did what I always do when I've got a problem to solve. I went out on the bike and had a couple hours by myself, you know, cruising around Atlanta, Georgia, and kind of realized, you know what, it's the right thing for people with diabetes. That's my core audience. So I committed to Novo that we could do it. And you know, my general manager, Vasily Davidenko, um, you know, we started reaching out to every sporting association around the world, trying to find out if there were athletes with diabetes you know, in their pipeline. And we were able to put together you know, 17 guys for the 2013 launch of Team Nova Nordisk. Hey, I want to go back right to your childhood. Um, if I understood it right, you were about six or seven years old when you had that chocolate bar and then you had to ride your bike to the petrol station. So if I understand, since that year or that age, you started kind of like testing yourself and developing a plan to make your own life better and safer at the age of six or seven. Is that yeah, correct? That is correct. Did you write things down or you just memorize everything or you had like a daily, uh, like a, um, like a diary where, okay, this worked well for me. No, did this didn't work. What should I do? What can I do? Or how, how do I have to imagine this? I, I just, you know, I made little mental notes. It's, um, you know, for, for example, in high school, you know, I, uh, first I would check my glucose four times in the hour before any practice or competition, because I wanted to know, what my glucose was and the trend that it was going. Because if glucose was going down, then I would need to have carbohydrates. If it was going up, then less carbohydrates to make sure that I didn't go hypo in the races uh, or, or practice or whatever. Um, but you know, it's not all about sport. Like I also like Dairy Queen as a high schooler. You know, and I kind of, I got raised by a bunch of guys at a bike shop in Tallahassee, Florida. You know, and I was a kid who just, I always broke my bike and I had no idea how to fix it. So I was kind of a pain for those guys and I didn't have any money. So I was always asking for discounts. So they weren't really making money. And it, so I found that if I could bring Dairy Queen to the bike shop, that they'd be a little bit happier with me. So I, Dairy Queen, I gave four units of insulin for a large blizzard and my glucose went to 300 afterwards. Okay, that's, that's not good. You could say, I can't eat Dairy Queen. No, you just need more insulin. So the next time, I did six units of insulin. And then I had to finish one of the other guys at the bike shops, Derek Blizzard, because you know, I was going hypo afterwards. So the third time you know, I did five units and that was the magic number that it took to you know, maintain glucose with that food. So I kind of just always, it wasn't a perfect science. You know, it's like, it's a blend of art and science and experience and you know, what works today without exercise is different than what works tomorrow with exercise and after five days of training or after a month of training. So it's just constantly staying on top of it. And before CGM, when it was just blood glucose testing, I mean, I checked my glucose 160,000 times. You know, I've done like 80,000 injections in my life just to try and you know, be in control. 
you know, and that's, you know, it's, you know, cycling, you know, other people go faster. I'm not always in control, you know, business, other people have to, you know, diabetes was just this one thing that, you know, I was the complete owner of. And, you know, and I, I firmly believe like if it were not for the bike, you know, I wouldn't be here right now. If it weren't for the bike, you know, my life, I'd, I'd probably be dead. I'd be gone. Uh, the bike is the reason I'm alive. And, you know, the bike is now a reason that, you know, no matter where you are in the world, uh, you have hope and inspiration uh, because of these amazing athletes on Team Nova Nordis. Summer is just around the corner. And if you're looking for some help getting back into shape, don't worry. Active Pass from outside has you covered. Bobby and myself are both members and get to enjoy training plans, exclusive gear discounts, entry to cycling events and more, including access to premium content from other outside publications like Velo News, Trail Runner, Yoga Journal and Backpacker. And there's more coming soon, including Peloton Magazine. All in all, it's $350 worth of value for just $99. But if you enter our special coupon code BOBBYENS25 at checkout, you will get another 25% off. Go to velonews.com slash activepass and enter BOBBYENS25, all one word, lowercase, at checkout to receive our special 25% discount. Do you have any favorite memories with Novo Nordisk? Jens, I still remember your last event, the final day at the USA Pro Challenge. And I was in the radio, Javi, you know, get to Jersey. You know, we, we wanted the most aggressive. And, but you know, to see him in the breakaway with you, and there were like six guys, and then it was just the two of you. And you know, to see Javi in the, that break with you for your final day, was it meant a lot to us at Team of Nordisk. And, Uh, the guys gave him a lot of crap on the bus. Like, why didn't you just let Jens go away? He's like, no, Phil was telling me to try and get the jersey. And I think you got the jersey that day, but you know, you earned it after such an amazing career. I remember that day. Yes, it was a hard day. Got caught on a finishing straight. And yeah. And I remember racing Tour of California or uh, the um, US Pro Challenge racing with you guys, Team Novo Nordisk. Yeah, you were a good part of the race and you were active. You were not just hiding in a peloton. I remember that. You were always we, out there yeah. and yeah, trying to move things. I can, <laughs> I can still remember. In uh, our old podcast, uh, Put Your Socks On, we had Mandy Marquat as one of our guests. And I remember calling you up and just trying to get some backstory on people living and racing with diabetes. And you told me something that was kind of mind-blowing. You were like, you know, people living with diabetes racing with diabetes have like 200 extra decisions to make every day and going back like okay when you're 20 30 i can see making all those decisions but you were you were having to make these decisions and very mature decisions life and death decisions when when you were just a, a baby um that that's what's so amazing to me is that you know people living with diabetes are so in tune with their body. I mean, we take so much for granted. Um, and, and recently, I've been exposed to the CGM technology. Um, 
you started a company for non-diabetics using CGM technology called Super Sapiens. What, what was your motivation behind starting Super Sapiens? Because I mean, was it, was it to educate non-diabetics or was it more for athletic performance for the masses? Yeah, I mean, it, it's that story goes you know, way back is when we had the, you know, the original CGM, we try to tape it on the bike computer or on the handlebars and get the data in front, but you had to press it to get it, get it to open. And so I actually, you know, I had a conceptual patent on getting glucose to the bike computer, actually power in the pedals back in 2009, uh, but I didn't really know how to build a business at that point and the technology didn't exist. We then, you know, with the athletes at Team Novo, we realized like out of a seven or eight day stage race, every rider would have one bad day from a basal rate perspective. You know, it's just, it's very difficult to manage, you know, with the body changes, altitude, weather, the whole nine, there's over 42 factors published that can affect your blood glucose within, without diabetes. So as you know, in a team, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And if every rider on the team was having one bad day, you know, you know we were using CGM, but they'd pull it out once, see a number and think they're okay. And then pull it out 30 minutes later and the glucose has dropped significantly and having to ingest, you know, ingest 100 grams of carbs in five minutes to get glucose to go back up, it just wasn't, we were not yet optimal. So you know, we tried with a few different companies in the cycling space to get it to the head unit. And ultimately it was on a bike ride actually three years ago this past Saturday with Chip Hawkins, uh, the CEO of Wahoo Fitness. And I, I said, I really need this. He's like, I'll do it. Like, yeah, I, I've heard that before. And I brought all the stuff into his office the following Monday. Uh, and that was, and then it was end of July. You know, I saw the very first prototype with glucose on the bolt. And then it was two months later where I started riding, seeing every data point in front of me. And in the 15 days of uh, seeing all the data while on rides, it was great. I had a good excuse to go ride my bike a lot more. Uh, but I learned more about how I needed to fuel my body than the previous 15 years of having a you know, CGM in my pocket. I put it on the athletes of Team Nova Nordisk. And although they've been racing bikes professionally for a bunch of years, it they learned so much in the first probably week week at training camp in uh, Altea, Spain. And I was showing it to some. I was like, this is the best invention I've ever had. I want to bring this to market. And so I started, you know, seeking advice and counsel from you know leaders uh, in business who also happen to be endurance athletes. And I kept hearing the same thing, like, you know, I don't have diabetes, but I buy that. I don't have diabetes, but I buy that. Um, and so. You know, kind of, I started the company in you know, February of 2019. Um, you know, went out to meet with, you know, met with a number of players, and I had a couple of guys. One, Todd Furneaux, who's now my president, um, who said, "Phil, if not only would I buy that, but I'd quit my job uh, and come help you build this company because I think athletes of the world need this." Um, he said, "The only catch is you need to have a deal with a sensor manufacturer." Uh, so I went back to my roots at Abbott. And, you know, Abbott, phenomenal company, their, their business in the diabetes space is crushing it around the world because uh, they just have, you know, such highly accurate technology. Uh, the scale of manufacturing is phenomenal. And by the way, you know, it's a company do, that does great, but they also gave a four-year, nearly $12 million grant to my foundation, Team Type 1, providing all the blood glucose testing supplies to the government of Rwanda, uh, where I started in 2010 and there were 300 people you know, kids with diabetes alive. 
I saw kids with their legs cut off. Uh, I saw kids who were blind. Most kids had not grown above four feet tall you know, at 18, 19 years old because they'd had such stunted growth because they just didn't have you know, access to technology. Fast forward to today, there's almost 2,000 people alive and well with diabetes, dreaming of becoming doctors, dreaming of becoming leaders in business so they can help others just like them. And uh, so I went to Abbott to say thank you uh, for that amazing donation, which, you know, that's a dream come true. Uh, I pitched sponsorship with Team Melbourne Orvisk, you know, which that's your job as a team owner of always trying to recruit good partners to, to work with. And then I showed um, my, my, I showed my bike computer. I said, I want to build a business out of this for the athlete world. And he said, I like that idea. Do you have a name? I, uh, my, my buddy Mert, who was our, my first contractor, uh, had given me the name Super Sapiens that morning. I said, Super Sapiens. He said, awesome, I dig it, that's bold. He goes, do you have a business plan? I said, nope. He goes, do you have a team? I said, well, I got a couple of really smart young entrepreneurs who would come work with me if I had a deal with you. He said, ah, well, let's meet next month. And so we met in June of 19. And I said, we want to help athletes optimize their fueling. We want to help athletes break new records, you know, prevent the bonk. And, you know, presented the whole Super Sapiens brand identity, what we wanted to do. And the following week, it was endorsed. And, you know, I was at a lunch at Figo Pastoria near my office. And Jay was there, Todd was there, Brian was there. And they all sent letters of res resignation to their companies. Uh, they said, we quit. Phil, you got to pay us. Uh, so I put a... Uh, I was able to put a half million into the company to get it started. And then we began you know, building the team, building the technology, um, and ultimately bringing it to market last year, uh, just you know, in the thick of the Tour de France. And we'd had Jumbo using it uh, for a couple months under clinical trial. Uh, Enios had been using it under clinical trial. And we were starting to see that there was really something here for athletes. And not just fueling optimization, but you know, just like me as a kid, right? You, you can't control glucose in a race if you don't control glucose the other, you know, 20 hours of the day. And all these, you know, lessons of like, you know, here's what we want to do. So I don't know, it's been, it's been a wild ride, right? And I'm grateful that I've had all this experience in cycling and professional sport, the connections we've made. It's like Bobby, you know, bringing you onto the organization uh, and others who you've met this, you know, it's been really cool. It's like building a team. Right, building a team to change the world, building a team to help athletes uh, you know, break their own records and you know, super sapiens. It's about being the best of yourself. And that's, that's what we are as a company. And that's what we, what we want you know, our people to be, the best of themselves. When you um, had your team type one exclusively made out of riders, they suffer from this condition. Um, were you more proud that you actually had him there or you were also a little nervous how this is all going to work out because we talked about it that it's a little more complicated to race your bike with that and a training camp like when you first you got your team together how would a training camp look like i mean you cannot just train you got to have certain amount of meetings explaining the technology to your riders no yeah i mean if you look at our yeah i mean yes i've always been really proud of our riders and it's not It's the impact. We, we change the world, you know, for people, for, you know, one person at a time. And no matter where we go in the world, you know, there's always at least one kid at the bus who's there with like to meet their heroes. And that's the impact. You know, we won the race before the race ever started. And then we have the next phase of like, okay, now we got to get in the breakaway because we're not, 
we're not yet at the caliber where victory is the goal in every race we go, but visibility is because visibility helps change diabetes. And so I'm really, I'm just proud of, you know, the fight and determination our athletes have had, because when we first started, you know, I had guys who had never raced bikes professionally who were getting pro continental contracts, you know, minimum salaries in the EU. And, you know, there were some teams that just raced completely against us, pushed us in the wind, fought us, you know, treat us like crap because, you know, we'd gotten pro contracts because we had diabetes or they had. Um, so it's just been a constant learning and evolution. I've always, like every cycling team, trying to be a little bit better today than tomorrow. You know, we have a really strong scientific advisory board. Uh, we invest heavily in the medical support that we provide to our, our athletes. But at the end of the day, we're a bike racing team. And if you want to race bikes, you know, we do training camps like other teams do training camps. We just have monitor our, our glucose and, and we have you know, night, nighttime checks to make sure there's not hypoglycemia going on. And we try to make as many mistakes as we can in training camp, along with the meetings and the sponsorship and the photos and the videos. And um, yeah. How did you develop your team? You know, I believe in the, the youth, right? And we realized in 2013 that you know, if we we're going to do this for a long period of time, we really need to start investing in kids. So we launched Talent ID Camps you know, in, in 2013. Uh, 13, um, and I needed to get to Mandy, Bobby. You asked about Mandy and, um, you know, we started doing talent ID camps. Uh, so it's been 22 kids. Then uh, one of my young sprinters, Quentin, uh, won three stages at the Tour of Abitibi in 2014 when we had our first junior team. Yeah, awesome. He's Red Bull sprinter. And then we built a junior team, a development team, the professional team. And last year during COVID, we had 75 kids from 28 countries as part of our talent ID camps. And we could bring them all together. You know, Wahoo sent kickers, the kids who didn't have uh, access to smart trainers. Uh, Zwift gave us all free accounts. Uh, Sufferfest gave us free accounts. So just this, this family we have at Team Nova Nordisk is immense. Now, the family right now is family of men's professional team. And Mandy has been our shining star on the female side you know, with this dream since I met her you know, as a 17 year old kid, I said, who'd just been diagnosed. I, what do you want to do, Mandy? I want to go to the Olympics. You know, I don't know if I can do it with diabetes. Said, yeah, if that's your dream and we take control, then you can. You know, I don't know if the talent will take you there, uh, but you know, diabetes is not going to be the reason you don't. And Mandy's worked her butt off for so many years and you know, has, it's very close. She's on the long list for Tokyo this year. You know, we're all pulling for her. Um, and if it's not this year, you know, there's three years away, there's, there's another Olympics. But you know, what, where she makes me so proud is just how much she gives back to other young girls who need a hero. And you know, the, like McKenna McKee, who's a track cyclist out of uh, the West Coast here in the States, you know, has, Mandy is her hero. And McKenna wants to get to the Olympics also so that she can have the same impact on other girls that Mandy has had on her. And so we just keep creating this culture of giving back at, you know, at Team Nova Nordisk. And that's, yeah, it's, some, it's been a great honor to have to get to work with such amazing individuals over the last you know, 16 years now. Yeah, you've definitely been in the sport for a while. Um, you know, being a team owner and, um, you know, a mover and a shaker in, in the sport, uh, where do you feel that the sport is going and how would you like to influence it going down the road in the future? 
Yeah, well, let, let's look at society first. And that, you know, in the US, we have 89 million people with prediabetes. 45% of society wakes up every day thinking about weight and a negative connotation. And exercise and the bike can solve for that. Because yeah, when you ride a bike, you're happier. When you ride a bike, you're healthier. When you ride a bike, you, know, you need to, you want to eat better to fuel for those rides. So yeah, the sport, I think it's, I'm a little, kind of a, yeah, the races I've gone to, I'm, I'm more of a mountain bike or gravel racer now. Um, there's just not many people out there. And that's where we are today. The only way we're going to solve for that is by getting a lot of kids on bikes. And, you know, uh, Super Sapiens, we just did a deal supporting uh, you know, the long team uh, for the U.S. Olympics, working with Jim Miller uh, to get all the athletes on product and help them set their targets for, for gold. But at the same time, we've uh, done a sponsorship for the Let's Ride program, really to try and help get inner city kids on bikes. You, know, you look at Rasan Bahadi and Justin Williams and what those guys have done you know, and the platform that they've you know, built, they're building to help you know, let, uh, it's a way out. Like, and that's why you know, the European athletes, you know, in cycling, it's, it's a way out for so many people, you know, right? It's a way out of poverty. It's a way out of you know, a life of, at the farm. And we've got a lot of kids here who not just could use the bike as a, a way to develop a business or develop you know, community, but to create a better health for society. Uh, so I think, you know, we need to look at the smart trainers, whether it's Wahoo or Zwift or, you know, or others, getting them into, getting the inner city kids who can't afford bikes, a chance to ride bikes, getting these bikes into schools. You know, it's my son at seven years old, he has P, you know, three days a week. I think it should be P five days a week. We need to create this culture of exercise amongst the kids these days so that they can help their parents get more active and so that we can all start going to races and getting addicted to this drug of the bike uh, that has you know, been my poison, been my pleasure, been my pain in life, uh, but also the biggest joy in life you know, for what, 27 years now. And so I, I'm just, I think we all need to find out how we can get more kids on bikes. You know, the thing I love about kids is that, you know, you, you tell them you can't and they will just to prove you wrong. Uh, that's, that's what, you know, I think both of you were in your careers. That's what I've done in my careers. Tell me I can't, and then I'm, let's, let's do it to prove you wrong. And I, I think we can get a lot of kids on bikes. If we do so, uh, the world's going to change. So I'm looking for all opportunities to do that. And uh, any partner that wants to make the world a better place by getting more people more active more often is a partner that I want to work with um, and whichever one of my companies that we're working with. Well, I tell you, Phil, I know you are a very busy man, as I have seen um, this last couple of months. So just want to thank you for, for finding some time to sit down with Jens and I. We wish you and your entire team all the best moving forward and look forward to hearing more um, in, the, in the future about Super Sapiens. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for what you're doing. Uh, you bring entertainment to the sport. Uh, I love the, uh, the different characters you bring on and I just show people just how cool you are if you've been in cycling for 25 plus years, right? It just, you get a little better every single year. You know, the more you ride bikes, it's like fine wine. We just get better with age, right? 100%, 100%. I will not argue that. All right. Thanks, Phil. You take care. Cheers. Have a good one. Okay, everyone. It is time for the hashtag shut up legs rider of the week. 
Um, I'll let you go first this week, Yenzi. Who do you got? So I think I might go for the third-placed rider in the Tour Romandie for the Italian rider Fausto Masnada. I mean, if you look at the podium, you know, Thomas Thomas Garrant, Tour de France winner, wins. Richie Port, I believe he won at least once the Tour de Romandie second. Then we got little Fausto Masnada. Zolea behind, Michael Woods behind. So he left a few good guys behind. So I think he uh, did my, or he got my vote for the week or the Shut Up Legs ride. Yeah, he's a super, super talented young Italian rider on the coin of Quickstep. You know, big surprise that those guys have um, packed with talent. Um, I'm also going to go for a Decoinic quick step rider. Since the beginning of the year, I've been watching, paying special attention to, to the time trials. And the one guy that's been up there quite a bit, uh, always the bridesmaid podium or just off the podium, Remy Cavagna. He's going to be my hashtag shut up rider of the week because he finally won a time trial. You know, he didn't win the prologue. Ron Dennis smoked everybody in that. But in the final stage of Tour of Romandy, he beat uh, Stefan Bisinger from EF Education and, uh, and Garrett Thomas. So my hat goes off to him. You know, he, he was working hard all year and finally got a nice win in a time trial. Okay, everyone. So Phil Sutherland asked us to make this very clear because I'm sure there's a lot of people wondering about supersapiens.com. Well, supersapiens will be available in the U.S. soon. It's waiting for some approval, so it's not available right now, but it is available over in Europe in the eight different countries over there. So if you are interested, go to supersapiens.com and it will take you to the international link. And from there, you can figure out what countries you can get these in. Well, that's all our time for this week. Huge thanks to Phil for being our guest. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please give us a five-star review and make sure to share this with your friends. The show was a Velenews production in association with Shock Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne, and this episode was edited by Tim Mosser. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens and share your cycling stories with us.